and and you love you love running over people. Like that's like what you do on the side for fun. Oh. Welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, I will be talking about Brock Purdy and the disconnect between how he's perceived and how he's actually played so far this season. But first, going to be joined by a very special guest, someone whose work I always enjoy week after week. And I wanted to have him on after watching watching back, because I slept through the first half of the game in real life and reality, but after watching back last week's Falcons excursion to London. We're going to talk to him about that and about his award picks for the first quarter of the season. It is the excellent NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, Charles McDonald. Charles, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I, I think you know the the experience I had with the Falcons game on Sunday was uh, lessened because one, I don't have, uh, I didn't, I didn't really have a way to watch it outside like the Disney Plus thing on my phone, mm-hmm. which was cool and ambitious, but uh, it, it, it was uh, it was kind of difficult to, to stay tapped into my phone because I was also mm-hmm. traveling to the Bills game, um, mm-hmm. so I, I I missed most of it thankfully because that <laughs> was not a game that. Uh, I would have enjoyed watching live. I think I got most of what I needed from like little animated clips of Drake London flailing, trying to catch a pass on a pick six and, you know, seeing the cool Bijan jukes every once in a while on the Toy Story screen. But uh, outside of that, I would say it was not fun. Like when you can't even watch the game and people are still hitting you up about how bad it is, that's a really (laughs) bad spot to be in. (laughs) This is not a one week situation with the Atlanta Falcons and Desmond Ritter. This has been a month now uh, of mediocre football. And the point I made in talking about Ritter and talking about the Falcons offense on the whole was that last year when Marcus Mariota was in the lineup, even when Ritter was in the lineup, like it was frustrating to watch, but they were still effective. They were still efficient. They were they were good by DVOA. You know, they were they were a, a solid team on offense by the numbers. So you say, OK, well, like, yes, I want them to throw the ball to Drake London and Kyle Pitts more, but. At least they're good. Now, first four games of 2023, I don't know that we can make that point. They suck right now. <laughs> that, that is a simpler way of putting it. It's yeah. smarter, frankly. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, it's, it's really frustrating for me because, you know, you, I, I saw, like, some clips of the broadcast, but then I actually sat down um, earlier this week and I rewatched at least just, like, the offensive snaps and mostly, like, the passing, uh, the passing mm-hmm. game stuff. Uh, on the all 22 and the most frustrating part to me is like there are so many plays to be made there like there there are guys open there are guys if if you are just going to operate within the rhythm of the offense um there are plays to be made sometimes you know there are a couple times where they just run like a little slant flat and it's open for a little four or five yard gain on first down and Ritter will just double clutch it and next thing you know the play is disaster because the time is thrown off you know, there were a couple targets uh, I thought earlier in the game where he could have hit Kyle Pitts for either a first down or even a pretty big game, and they're they're he like he's just not taking the the plays, which is interesting to me because I thought that, that was kind of a, a a strength of his as he was getting you know some experience in his rookie year towards mm-hmm. the end of last year in the, those four games that he played. You know, I I I, I kind of thought by the end of his four game stretch last year, he had done like just enough 
to get the nod as far as like, hey, let's see what this looks like in 2023. Now, I do think they did the smart thing by, uh, you know, kind of bouncing that out with the Taylor Heineke signing where, hey, if this fails, maybe we can still look like a professional offense for like six games this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that, it was it's, it's been pretty bad for for Ritter so far. You had like one moment uh, in the Green Bay game uh, that was pretty solid but even if you go back to that game he could have thrown like three interceptions that were just straight mm-hmm. up dropped by mm-hmm. uh Packers defenders so it hasn't really been clean for him at all and I think it's frustrating because I think I feel good saying I know that there are a handful of good players on this Falcons offense you know, I, I know Drake London's a talented player I know Kyle Pitts is a talented player obviously B. John Robinson has been a superstar this year mm-hmm. but the quarterback play has been so bad that even those guys haven't gotten all the chances to eat as they should now, you said Drake London and Kyle Pitts are talented players. Do you believe that Arthur Smith feels the same way about those players? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I, I think there's stuff drawn up, especially this year. Uh, there's, there's plays drawn up for Kyle Pitts that mm-hmm. he hasn't, has just hasn't hit, honestly, or, or isn't seen. Like, I think the, the most frustrating play to me um, when you go back to the early portion of the Jaguars game is – there's a play where they're running like, you know, like basically your stereotypical, I guess what we call on the internet, a Yankee concept where you have mm-hmm. a crosser on one side, a post on the other side. And basically the post is just clearing it out for the crosser. And you get the perfect look. Like you get uh, the Jaguars and uh, I think pretty sure it was cover three. They bite down on the play action. Mm-hmm. So you have basically two guys. You have three guys on the back end covering two guys. All you have to do is just pick the guy who is being covered by one guy. On this one, it happened to be Kyle Pitts. On the crosser, except he decided to throw a bomb to Drake London, an inaccurate bomb, and it was double covered by two defenders. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you see the plays like where Matt Collins is wide open and he underthrows them on the post. Um, I, I, the more that I watch, it's like I still think the overall structure of how this offense can run is okay, but the quarterback play is tanking them in a way that um, I didn't really foresee because I kind of thought, oh man, well, there's no way he could be worse at like throwing in real Marcus Mariota and we might be there you know it 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 sucks it's a tough time i'm not used to this i'm really not <laughs> because i i my favorite my first favorite quarterback was michael vick and then you you sit mm-hmm. there in one year in 2007 it sucks but then the next year you get matt ryan so mm-hmm. for the past 20 years of fran- franchise you know 20 years of falcons play we've had a quarterback what is this what is this is fair i mean it's a totally legitimate question and you know, I, I think not only the stuff about not throwing in rhythm, but also just taking too many sacks. Desmond Ritter's yeah. sack rate is 12% so far this season. Like, that, that was Mar- Mariota's biggest weakness in terms of the numbers was he just took too many sacks, too many drive-killing uh, takedowns. And I think that is something you would have said, okay, well, Mariota's like a historical outlier in terms of this. Desmond Ritter should be better at this than Marcus Mariota, and yet here we are. Um, do you... Do you pin all of that on Ritter, or do you think the line has taken a step backwards as well? Um, I think in, in some spots the line is taking a step back. I thought I, I think he bounced back last week, but for the first three games, I thought Chris Lindstrom was way off his game, uh, especially in pass pro. You know, you mm-hmm. have the first game against the Panthers where, it, honestly, one of the, the weirdest things about the Falcons and Lindstrom over the past few years is I think Lindstrom 
is an elite guard. I think he's an amazing yeah. player. But, dude, Derrick Brown eats his lunch every time they play. <laughs> so, you know, you, you get that you get that game week one. And I was like, ah, th- that's concerning. But I've seen it happen so many times. I'm kind of willing to just move on. Uh, and then it kind of didn't really get that much better against the Packers. I know Kenny Clark's a load. But you got the $20 million guard you would hope that can kind of – you know, combat some of those problems that, that Kenny Clark can can give you. But uh, the offensive line, they've taken a little bit of a step back, but I still think it's mostly on the quarterback. Uh, they are putting in a new guard, uh, Matthew Bergeron, who played mm-hmm. left tackle at Syracuse. He's been their starting guard this year. And I think he's going to end up being a good player, but he's still someone going through, you know, a bit of a transition at the highest level of football. So when you have that plus a quarterback who is not – confident in like throwing the ball and in terms of what he's looking at or it takes him too many drives to get to a point where he wants to throw the ball and is is comfortable working in the rhythm of the offense it just it all bogs down to the point where you're just like Bijan save us save us Bijan like I, I remember the the touchdown the first touchdown Bijan scored yep. um, against the Panthers that was a tremendous play call by Carolina I mean you get the Falcons to a spot where they have to throw a screen, and you have three versus one, mm-hmm. and Bijan makes everyone miss and scores a touchdown. That can't be your whole offense, you know. I, I think mm-hmm. it's just got to be. It is right now, but it, it's look. You're not gonna. I'm not gonna be watching these games at least on Sundays for the rest of the season. If that's the offense, I can promise mm-hmm. you that. Okay, so what has happened to lead to a universe where the leading receiver in this offense? Is John U. Smith? Uh, I first of all, I really think they've undersold how not healthy Kyle Pitts is. I, I yeah, think, for sure, for sure. Because the the Jaguars game was the first game where I saw him kind of running like he was before he had um, the knee surgery. Like the mm-hmm. the Lions game, you know, I, I remember there was a there's a, a lot made about the post that uh, Ritter That's what I was missed of. on Pitts, but at the same time, I really do feel if Pitts was healthy for that play, he has enough speed to get under it and, and, and run in for a touchdown. Like you can kind of see him hobbling a little bit as he's trying to get and catch up to the pass, which, you know, that's part of the game. Sometimes, you know, annoying stuff happens like injuries, but yeah, I, 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 I do also think, you know, you, you got better players than Johnny Smith on this roster. I, I would say Drake London is a better uh, player than Johnny Smith, and I know that London hasn't complained about his production, but I'll do it for him. I mean, t- I I I thought what he put together last year was magnificent in such mm-hmm. a run heavy offense. Uh, I thought he was you know one of the more efficient receivers in the league, and he's he's someone to me that you should be throwing like ten targets a game to mm-hmm. at minimum. Uh, so I look I I I think most of this honestly goes down to the quarterback, but. That's also the coach's fault for sticking with this quarterback right. up to this point. Um, Arthur Smith is absolutely not free of blame for uh, what has happened here with the Falcons. And, you know, I, I think it's frustrating because when you, you you go back to the week one game against Carolina, right, where they mm-hmm. win because, let's be real, Jesse Bates and Bryce Young basically willed them to yep. victory. They were not Gosh. good on offense in that game. They benefited off of short fields the entire time. And then to come out after the game and say, well, you fancy football guys, blah, 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 <laughs> Drake London, Kyle Pitts production. Okay, look, yeah, okay, there's, there, there's a lot of complaint from fancy guys, but you can't tell me that real-life football wouldn't be a lot easier if you could get Drake London and Kyle <laughs> Pitts the football as well. 
Like you spent top ten picks on them for a reason. Yes, you did. Like you had you you spent top ten picks on them. So I I don't get where that that you know frame of mind comes from. And it also just goes to show that he is somewhat of a stubborn guy in terms of running this team and how he wants to run it and not answering to anybody else. So he's gonna he's gonna start Desmond Ritter as long as he wants, I guess. I would say you have a one-game leash left on this because uh, at this point you're kind of starting to hinder the development of other guys that you drafted mm-hmm. early, guys that you've invested way more in than Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why not? Why not try to make the playoffs? This yeah. is look at the NFC South. Yeah, look look at what the Saints did. They're absolutely capable of being a playoff team if they have competent quarterback play. And I think the point you made that I find so frustrating. Is it's not like we're talking about oh you know like like Pukunakua like oh Pukunakua looked good in the small sample Let, get him the ball fifteen times a game like the Falcons chose to take these guys with top ten picks like you took Drake London in twenty twenty two you knew you were drafting a wide receiver it wasn't like you were trying to draft a tackle and you accidentally took a wide receiver and now you're stuck with him like why did you go out and pick this guy if you're going to give him one target. In, in your first game of the season, if you're not going to scheme up stuff for him, if you're not going to, you know, make him the, the focal point of your passing attack. I, I think that's the part that I find so confounding is like, how can you be the, the you know, not that I was with this making all the draft picks or anything, but I, I, I feel pretty confident he wasn't like, you know, begging Terry Fontenot not to pick a wide receiver and Terry Fontenot did it anyway. Like they both decided to take Drake London. And now it feels like Arthur Smith almost feels irritated by the fact that the Falcons took a top 10 wide receiver. Like, it gets in the way of him doing the stuff he wants to do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and uh, it would be one thing if, you know, you draft these players and you find out, oh, man, maybe they're just not that good. That's just not the the landscape that they find themselves in. Kyle Pitts had one of the best rookie seasons of all time for a tight end. Drake London had almost 1,000 yards as a rookie and a run for his offense. Bijan is... He's outstanding. I don't. I don't. That, that's the one player whose workload I don't think we're ever gonna have to worry about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because yes. that's the easiest one. Just Desmond, just give give the ball to seven, find seven, and you know he can he can make something happen. But it's just it is frustrating you know, when you take these players, and I kind of understand the criticism criticism from fans. Where why would you draft these players if you want to be a run first offense? Why not draft? Mm-hmm. Offensive lineman, why not draft defensive? Why not draft a pass rusher or something else like that? Um, but maybe they'll figure out. Maybe they won't. I just think it's kind of getting to a point where, all right, this is kind of why you signed Taylor Heineke, right? To buffer yourself in case Desmond Ritter really isn't that. Because look, Taylor Heineke isn't—he's not good, obviously. But it's the—it's it, it, a—it's a better option than what you've seen for the first four games. I don't—I don't really think that. That's debatable. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you throwing in a debatable reference. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, will, I will ask you two questions to finish up our Falcons conversations. And these are both going to be difficult. Um, and they're both, if you were in charge, questions. So first, let's go back to last offseason. Let's say you are named the Falcons GM in February. You don't get to know what happens, but just in terms of what you knew about Desmond Ritter at the time, looking at your roster, what would you have tried to do last offseason in terms of the quarterback situation? Oh, I'm, I mean, I I was saying that I would have <laughs> – we're at eight, right? Mm-hmm. 
we can jump up to three and not lose everything mm-hmm. because yeah. the Cardinals were already selling. So what I wanted to do was there's a quarterback who is like perfectly built to play in an offense like this. And you can still do all the quarterback goal line run stuff that you did with Marcus Mariota will have way more upside as a passer than you've ever had with your quarterbacks. Like since Matt Ryan, uh, I, I was in the booth like, Hey, you should trade up to three and put Anthony Richardson in this offense. And, you already have Tyler Arzier. Maybe you can find another guy because they got good stuff out of Caleb Huntley last year. Um, I know that he's he ended up getting hurt, but I probably would have traded up to three uh, and taken uh, Anthony Richardson. I was also in the camp that you, if you stay at eight, maybe you take Lucas Van Ness, another pass rusher. I wasn't really in the realm of like we got to take Bijan because this is. It, it, I think if you can make the argument that any team didn't need to take a running back. In the top 10, this is probably a team at the top of your list based on what they yes. have produced last year. Uh, this isn't to say that, obviously, like since I've watched Bijan and I've watched how the offense has unfolded, I've really grown to appreciate his presence because oh, sure. it's kind of the only thing that's working. But at the time, <laughs> knowing what we knew in February, um, I was willing to take that gamble to package eight and some other picks, get up to three. You take Anthony Richardson, and now maybe you, you have something where you can actually coordinate a, a passing game down the line somewhere. Mm-hmm. No question. Uh, and now, now that we're here, it's October 5th. Charles, what changes would you make to this offense to try and get it more functional that don't involve benching Desmond Ritter? Is there anything you think they can do more of to try and make Desmond Ritter's life easier, um, to, to create more explosives in the offense? Like, like what, what would be the changes you would make? you know, in the big picture, I'm not saying like, you know, call this play more often, but just like, like in general, like what would you want to shift this offense to do to make it more successful in the short term? <laughs> uh, I think, I think Bijan needs like a 25 carry game, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I will say, I think one thing they got right about last year's projection into this year was that maybe some of the Tyler Algier stuff was not real. And mm-hmm. um, that's something that they were actually concerned about. And maybe something they were right to be concerned about since he hasn't really done much since the the first game, which is great. The, it's, no, it's not great. It's not great for him. It's bad for the team. But my buddy, Justice Mosqueda, he kept spamming me after that two-touchdown game. Dude, Algier is their RB1. I was like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> How and, actually? Actually, I need to ask you how 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 did it feel losing the Justice Bowl to the Packers? They won that game. Oh, they won that game, right? How did they yeah. feel winning the Justice? Oh, Bowl? Oh, amazing, amazing! <laughs> because the because the whole time, well, it, it's become more amazing in retrospect. I'll say because we've both come to the conclusion that right now neither of our teams are very good. So oh. it's like the highlight of what's probably going to be a pretty tough season for me. So at least, look, <laughs> I can hold on to the Falcons beating the Packers, which is always sweet. Mm-hmm. And if they can split a game against the Saints, I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. That's how low my expectations have gotten with this team. People be like, oh, don't don't you want a, a playoff? Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take watching – my favorite team play a game with stakes, but can I emotionally invest in them ever going on another playoff run again after what happened last time? No. 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 And, and I won't. you shouldn't. That's just smart. Yeah. I, but I, I, 25 I, I, carry I, beach on game. 
Yes, no question. I think the 25-carry Bichon game makes total sense. And hey, if you can beat the Saints in Week 18 and knock them out of the postseason uh, with a loss in Week 18, even if the Falcons don't make the the postseason themselves, that might be even better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm Look, I'm, I'm, I kind of want them to compete this year because I don't care what you do this year. I don't care if you make it to the NFC title game. You got to go get a quarterback in the offseason. So, mm-hmm. look, let's just compete this year. I'm 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 not really a big tanking guy. I just I don't know. Maybe this is like the heart of a former football player in me. Mm-hmm. I don't respect it. I think there's just so much that work that goes on in season that it's mm-hmm. even difficult to tank once you start playing the games cuz once you start mm-hmm. playing the games and you start feeling yourself getting hurt, am I really not going to try out here? Right. Like am I really, you know, I'm I'm getting my kick i gotta defend myself so right. i uh i, I think you, you should go for it even if that means starting taylor heineke and the silver lining for me is the bears own that panthers pick and if you can just convince them hey take your quarterback at one then let us get in there with a little trade at two you don't need marvin harrison jr for caleb williams or drake may just let us take the quarterback Ooh. you don't want i'll overpay for it because i feel like i've got i feel like for the most part i've got my offensive core we need a quarterback. Make it happen, or trade three first round picks for Kyler Murray. I'm fine with that. Would too. they? Would they? Would if they wanted Drake London in a trade? Would you give them Drake London? No, no. Ooh. Have you seen their other receivers? Oh sure. I mean, it's not good, <laughs> but they got they got Janu. You don't need Drake London when you got Janu. You got tight end one. <laughs> we got Matt Collins. He's going to beat up the next quarterback. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, Falcons conversation is settled. We have a plan to fix the Falcons. Let's move on to your awards picks for the 2023 season. And so far, I I did my column on these today over on ESPN Plus, and I wanted to have you pick your awards as sort of like a sanity check. Like, you're a very smart guy. You think about the game a little differently. You're a former player. You're, you're, You're someone who... I think approaches the game in a really smart way, but different than me. And so I want a sanity check to see if I just made some really bad decisions because I I came to some conclusions. I feel like I'm pretty good on some of them. Other ones I felt more iffy about. So I just want to get your perspective, Charles, on who you think the award winners are for the first month of the NFL season. Uh, Well, MVP, I got to go with Josh Allen. 
after really this is i mean this is probably just recency bias for me because i i went to the bills dolphins game he was but, oh my god he was amazing like it was just like so there's something about when he when he decides like he's not gonna go full you know madden 05 brains <laughs> and just throw hail mary's every play and he's actually a control and ken dorsey's like got him on a little bit of a leash uh, i think he's so good and that first game was terrible obviously. that's the thing it was terrible. I know. And that's a big sample. That's a big chunk of our, our that's four a quarter. Game, <laughs> it's a quarter of our four-game sample size. But I'm going to be a little bit reactionary here. Um, and I'm going to roll with Josh Allen for the MVP pick. Just because I mean, yeah. I, I, I look, it, he was so good and in control. And outside of that one game, 75% of our sample size is looking pretty good. No question. You know? <laughs> no question. He's number one in QBR since week two began. And he's looked phenomenal. I just that one game though. That one game was so bad against the Jets. I'm like the Jets are a great defense. Maybe we shouldn't be too harsh, but it really felt like you know some of that was Jets being great defense, and some of it was just Josh being totally Josh. I think most of it was totally Josh. I mean, th- there's there's no there's no play that says you need to throw it 60 yards down the field in the double coverage in the end zone. You know, when you can like, scramble for a first down, right, right, and you run a four five. Like, come on. And and you love you love running over people. Like that's like what you do on the side for fun. Oh, but weird, he's you're a funny player. He's such a weird player. Like you would not, you you could not construct him if you wanted to. And yet he still exists and is he's great. I mean, obviously he's a phenomenal football player. I had him fourth wow. on my list. Who do you have and ahead of him? I have. Uh, I I actually do I have him I might have him fifth I have him fourth I have him like kind of like right next to Lamar, who I think Josh Allen's been better than Lamar at his best, but Lamar has been more consistent. His bad games have not been as bad as Josh Allen's worst games yeah, so far. Sure. I had Herbert at three, um, which Stephen Ruiz threatened to uh, to attack me if I did not have Herbert in the top three. Um, I have Brock Purdy at number two, which I'm going to talk about later, and I have Tua at number one. Ugh. My my <laughs> my my Tua my Tua argument is just hey his peaks have been higher than Josh Allen's peaks and his worst game the Bills game wasn't as bad as Josh Allen's worst game. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't I I, I just I watched the game like you're not you're just not doing enough heavy lifting for me. Mm, there it's, that's why why we have you on. I know. I think he's 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 a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's a he's a he's a very good quarterback. Um and. I feel like you and I've had to kind of walk back on how I felt about him based on the the production, just undeniable. Since mm-hmm. uh, he's he's gotten into this offense that's more friendly for him, but I go back to that game against Buffalo, and it's like when things start to get difficult for him, he becomes mm-hmm. very very not valuable to mm-hmm. have as your quarterback. I think when the pocket gets tough. You know, you lose Teron Armstead, which is a, a huge blow. Yes. Uh, Kendall Lamb comes in, and he kind of got worked by Greg Russo um, and Leonard Floyd in that game. But when the pocket gets tight and the bodies are around, he just – it gets very, very difficult for him in a way that I don't think it does for, like, that upper echelon, mm-hmm. which is why I always keep him a tier below. Mm-hmm. You know? The way the way you said he's a good quarterback was more insulting than if you had just said he was terrible. Like, <laughs> he he's a he's a good quarterback. Like right. oh no. He's a good quarterback, but he would never be a quarterback that I pick. Mm. 
I mean, I, like you're you're not you're not saying anything that's wrong. Like you're absolutely right that he, you know, when he gets into those situations, he's not the guy. And I I think that's to me the difference between okay, like if I'm picking a quarterback for the next ten years, I would not pick Tua. I would pick Herbert. I would pick uh, I, I pick I don't know Herbert's Herbert's a different case. I I, yeah, I would pick Mahomes for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, those guys you'd pick before two and no question, but just in terms of how has he been the first four games of the year, like he hasn't been in that situation very much. So he's been phenomenal. So you can definitely make the case that, you know, that's more about what's around Tua than Tua, but, and you could certainly make that case for Brock Purdy as well, of course, but just the numbers are, are, uh, are hard, hard to argue with. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Who do you have for offensive player of the year? Oh, I... I took like two seconds thinking about this one because to me, this needs to be the award. If quarterbacks can be MVP award, I would like this to not to be the non quarterback award. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, right? Like that's who I have. So I'm happy we're on the same page. Tyreek. Tyreek is a good one. Tyreek's a good one. Uh, but man, if we're gonna just look at the whole thing, I know I kind of just discounted that for my MVP pick, but you know, I'm it's all gonna... good. You can make your own, you can change the criteria. There's no <laughs> rules. Uh. I, I I I love what Chris McCaffrey has done since getting traded to the 49ers. It, I mean, it's just really been a perfect marriage of um, – it, it's been a perfect marriage of just skill, talent from the running back position and skill from the offensive line and skill from the play caller mm-hmm. to get just this masterful running game that I kind of feel like they could run on like the 2,000 Ravens at this point mm-hmm. and, and have some success. Uh, but you go back to the last game – where he just ran all over the Cardinals. I think yep. they're, they're, the way I feel about Christian McCaffrey is like he kind of describes how I feel about just running backs in general. Like Most mm-hmm. running backs, I think, are replaceable. And most running backs, I think you can find someone where, hey, if we can get you know 80% of the last guy we had, then that's mm-hmm. probably good enough. But then there's some that are like real game changers yes. and real weapons for your offense. I think the Falcons have one. I know the 49ers have one uh, with what Chris McCaffrey has done. And I know the on-pace stats are always a little wonky, especially this time of year. But I do do think they're kind of funny, and it does illustrate where McCaffrey is uh, after the first month of the season. He's on pace for 1,951 yards, 26 Mm -hmm. rushing touchdowns, 599 Mm -hmm. receiving yards, and four more receiving uh, touchdowns. That's... You know that that's a year that's going to get like some of the older folks voting MVP for him, let alone offensive player of the year. So mm-hmm. I think he's the the runaway pick for me right now. The guy, the guy whose numbers I compared him to were Ladainian and Tomlinson, where like he had those years where he was not only a great receiver, but he had like thirty touchdowns as well. When he had, I think he had twenty nine when he had his MVP season. Like if he goes for two thousand rushing yards and thirty combined touchdowns, which is not out of the realm of possibility. He's on pace for nineteen fifty and thirty right now, or twenty nine right now. Like he he's probably going to win MVP. I think. Oh yeah, especially if they if they ride that all the way to the 
the uh, like the number one seed in the NFC. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I think this week is obviously going to be huge. I mean, it's 49ers Cowboys. Not, I mean, it, it, these teams could stink, and it would always be a big game uh, mm-hmm. between them. But you know, this is kind of the game if you're going to talk about MVP narratives that could get it pushing in that direction because it's going to be on prime time against arguably one of the best defenses in the league. And you just have this guy at running back who's been such a consistent force. And I think the way that they've uh, deployed him and getting him out to space in so many different ways, uh, it's really been, it's been amazing to watch. And uh, I I like it because, you know, I I, I was a little worried about him coming off of Carolina because he was banged up in Carolina. Uh, And then when they made that trade, he's just been such a godsend for their offense in a way that, that is really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. No question. Um, you mentioned Niners Cowboys, a candidate there for defensive player of the year. Who do you have on the defensive side of the ball? This one was tougher um, because I, I feel like there's been a lot of good performances this year. Off the top of my head, I kind of want to say TJ Watt, but maybe that's just uh, like Steelers bias that I see all the time. But it, to me, it's between like three players, right? And it's probably going to be between these three guys for a long time, like – but Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt so mm-hmm. far this year. Those are my top three. Um, but I, I think I'll give the nod right now to Miles Garrett because of the of the small sample size that we have, I don't know if anyone has had a game like he put together versus Tennessee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, I know that Andre Dillard, based on his story, is probably not someone you would expect to be able to block Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. and he didn't. But just to see it unfold in the manner it did, it was just pure destruction. So I'll give Miles Garrett the nod for defensive player of the year. Um, I hope he can stay healthy because if he does, like his sack numbers are going to be absolutely insane this year. I had a coach. I, I was going to put this in my column and we had to take it out. Um, I had a coach text me after that game and he watched Garrett versus Andre Dillard. And he said, uh, this is incognito mode film. Like I, I, I cannot watch this with my family around. Yeah. Um, it, it was just filthy. And he has two of the, two, two of the, po- two of the most uh, impressive, I think, I think uh, gifts of the year so far this season, which, you know, the one of him dribbling around as the spinner in week one. And then the, the motion in the Tennessee game where there were two linemen or two blockers following him to either side of the line as he moved around. Um, it's just been so much fun to watch him this year. He feels just totally unleashed. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much you've seen of Tennessee. I was watching some of uh, the Titans Bengals game yesterday. Tennessee's mm-hmm. offense is weird, man. Like it is strange. Like I feel like they want they want to be a team that that uses a fullback, but like they don't really have one, and they're just using tight ends in the backfield a bunch. Mm-hmm. So like Derrick Henry, he's you, you. You have these guys who are physically big enough to block most linebackers, but skilled wise, like they're not that great at it. So right. dude, Derrick Henry, he's fighting for his life out there still. No question. Um, so I'm 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 amazed that he's still able to be like as effective as he is because that last game they they really needed him to generate some offense. Yeah, and I mean they're they're in a weird spot. Like clearly they're trying to use him less. Like they're using a lot more Tajay Spears. He gets way a much higher percentage of the snaps than the backups in years past. And like understand it, keep Derrick Henry fresh for a full season. Like you know, but it does kind of feel like they're at their best when he is just the workhorse. And that's not the best thing for Derrick Henry, but it's probably yeah. the best thing for Tennessee. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. They're just they're 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 playing like Iowa football, you know. Like, <laughs> the <ultimate laughs> offensive insults. I know, but hey, they're two and two. 
they're it's true. They're two and two playing like like crap. They they're scoring eighteen points per game, but they're two and two. Vrabel ball better than the Bengals. Um, all right, uh, give me your offensive rookie of the year. Stroud, CJ Stroud, um, CJ Stroud, not Bijan. No, I I I think in a way I just kind of expected Bijan to be this good. Um, and also I just I just am always impressed with a rookie quarterback coming in and lighting it up. Just the I, I think the the degree of difficulty and like entering the league is uh, a little lower for a superstar running back talent than you know a, a strong quarterback talent. Uh, 1,200 yards, I know we're kind of past volume stats to a degree, but 1,200 yards, no picks through four games. And it's it's not even just that. Watching him play, he's so decisive in a way that I don't think is normal for a rookie quarterback because usually, you know, it looks like what Desmond Ritter's doing where you're sitting there, you're holding the ball, and you're double clutching, you're trying to figure out what's coming next. And uh, with Stroud, there's none of that. There's no – fear in where he thinks he needs to put the ball, which I really do admire about his game because honestly, it was one of the things I, I was a little unsure about coming out from Ohio state where you kind of wonder, okay, well, how good of like just a, a natural playmaker is he because he's playing in an offense where it's, it's easy for him. He doesn't have to move around a bunch. And you kind of had this, this split on Stroud on, in terms of performance where you look at the Georgia game, you say, damn, like, if that's who he is, this is unquestionably the first pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And if he looks more like the Northwestern game, that's probably someone where you're going to have to be patient and wait for a little while. Turns out the Georgia game is kind of closer to what he actually is as a player. So um, I think he's been absolutely incredible. I think there's a handful of cases this year, or maybe maybe three strong ones where I would say, uh, you know, Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bijan would be my three. But I think I'm going to give it for Stroud just due to – uh, how impressive what he's done so far as far as his transition. Wow, so you don't have Puka in your top three. I, I not, not only do I have Puka in my top three, I have Puka as number three in Offensive Player of the Year so far. That's a good one. I've it's totally good. forgot about him. It's, I, I was, it's funny, I was talking to uh, someone about Puka the other day, and they're like, it's so weird because you watch him play, and he, it's not like he's the most you know athletic receiver <laughs> out there. He's not... Even the most polished guy out there, but here comes Stafford, 10, 15, <laughs> 20 targets a game. So it's, it's something's got to be going right for him, and he's converting on all of them. So, yeah. like, look, I'm just looking at his game log right now 10 for 15, 15 for 20, 5 for 7, 9 for 10. Like, almost everything that comes his way is getting caught for a big play. So, uh, that, that, like, that's kind of what the Rams needed to keep themselves afloat, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're not going to have the big free agent spending, spending freeze and you know, you're kind of out of that game of trading for the 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 big fish, even though they did try to trade for Brian Burns. Brian Burns. So I forget that, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, then these are the kind of plays that you're going to need to make just hitting on day three picks, and they seem to have found a major steal here. And they tried to trade for Christian McCaffrey, too. That's right. That's right. It's like they can't help themselves. It's like me on Madden when <laughs> I'm, I'm playing franchise. I'm like, oh, we need a little boost. And then three years later, I have no cap space. And I have no draft <laughs> picks. And I just start a new one, except they kind of have to play through this. <laughs> have the Rams considered starting an alternate NFL where they have cap space and all their draft picks? Not a bad idea. I think um, that's what Sean McVay dreams about when he goes to bed. Ooh, night. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. A couple more. Defensive rookie of the year. Do you have a pick for defensive rookie of the year? Defensive rookie of the year. Uh, this may be a homer pick, 
because I'm a Bulldogs fan, but Jalen mm-hmm. Carter. I mean, I mean, it's not not a wrong pick. Not a wrong it's, pick. It, to me, it's it's I, I, it's like him or Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. I I had I had Christian Gonzalez in there, although he just got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, and he then was, I had was good. I had Brian Branch with the Lions as well. Yeah, he's playing well too. But I, I think you know Jalen Carter. He's those guys have been great, but he's honestly been playing like an elite player. Yeah, immediately from day one. Elite player. Yeah. Very frustrating to see the Eagles just land uh, <laughs> like a perfect Javon Hargrave replacement, yeah. having to move up one spot to get him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, you know, they lose Javon Hargrave. Uh, Fletcher Cox is getting old. Well, here's here's Jalen Carter. Oh, and Jordan Davis is starting to develop some, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, like hand it to them. So very frustrating. Yeah. Okay, and then do you have a pick for Coach of the Year? I assume it's not Arthur Smith. Uh, no, it's uh, it's definitely definitely not Arthur Smith. Although, hey, hey, maybe at the end of the year, if we can get the quarterback to throw the ball some, mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe maybe that's possible. Um, I think I'll go with Kyle Shanahan. Man, yeah. it's, it's – I, I have had to accept into my life that Brock Purdy is – at least an average quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, but the production to me is still far above what he he actually is as a player in terms of his talent. Uh, you look at how they've incorporated Christian McCaffrey. Um, they've really haven't fallen off on offense since they've gotten you know their core to be strong mm-hmm. and healthy with Kittle, Ayuk, Debo. Um, McCaffrey, I think he's executing those guys in such a masterful way that he's got to mm-hmm. get the nod for coach of the year. It feels like we're almost taking him for granted at this point. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. the Niners offense is great. They have our seventh round pick with like 10 career starts operating. Mr. Irrelevant. It. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. And they look like they 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 they, 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 scored, they scored 30 points every week so far this season. That hasn't happened for the Niners since 1948. Like none of the Joe Montana teams did it. None of the Steve Young teams did it. Like that is how impressive they have been so far this season. One guy I had in my top three, and we'll finish up with this. Do you think D'Amico Ryans deserves Coach of the Year consideration? Yes. Yes, I absolutely do. Um, Hey, man, this Texans defense, I think, in terms of just overall personnel, has a long way to go. Um, But the performance that they're getting out of them, especially like last week, it's pretty pretty damn impressive. Um, And to me, I think one of the most interesting things when you get uh, a defensive guy hired as a head coach is kind of tracking. And it's so tough. It's so tough because I think in in the NFL, most of your defensive success is based on the players that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's interesting to track when these guys get their their opportunities to be head coaches just to see how – schematically they're able to bring what they were doing at the previous stop and how will it translate to a whole new crop of players that most likely is not as good as the players they were just dealing with. Right. Dan Quinn, Atlanta kind of got to see maybe a lot of that was Seattle until he got to Dallas. And then you get Michael Parsons and some of those guys and it starts to turn back around for him, but he never Mm -hmm. had the dudes in Atlanta. I don't know if, if D'Amico really has the dudes yet in Houston, but they're performing, you know, Will Anderson, right. That's definitely a dude. That's definitely someone mm-hmm. you can no look, up, look up to and say that's going to be a fixture on our defense moving forward. But, you know, if you just look at runningbackstonematter.com uh, by Ben Baldwin, <laughs> I know it's a terrible, terrible website name considering the praise we've heaped on Bijan and Christian McCaffrey today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Texans, they're 16th in expected points uh, added per play. 
on defense, mm-hmm. which is like they were awful on defense last year with mostly yep. the same group of players. So if you're going to get this level of improvement out of them, I know there's a, the buffer playing against a Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, Pittsburgh Steelers. That makes things a little bit easier for you. But at the same time, I think D'Amico does deserve a lot of praise and hype for how he's been able to coordinate that defense while also staying on track as the the duties of a head coach. At some point, it could be as soon as this offseason. They're going to lose the offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. Yeah, no for question. sure. Now, the next test for him will, will be, uh, you know, can you replace that guy with someone else who can, who can also be an effective play caller? But just as far as the defense is concerned, I think he's done a fantastic job. Oh, I have one more question. I lied. Final question for you, Charles. Uh, do you believe the Matt Canada burner account is actually Matt Canada? I got to say I don't. I don't. Really? Why? And, okay, because I have uh, a bit of uh, inside info that I can share on the podcast. Oh, Please. Uh, I talked to someone who works for the NFL. Someone who works at NFL Network, and Matt Kennedy's ad- email address does not actually match up with the one that was on the oh. account. So. Real shame. So you yeah. think someone is, is, is posing as a Matt Canada burner account? Maybe it's just some guy named Mike somewhere who just loves the Steelers and can't I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe does Mike have a brother with the same name M? That's gonna say. That's gonna say Mike Canada. Yeah, I'm, I, but I feel very confident in saying it's not actually Matt Canada running the uh, running the accounts. And look, I, okay. I, I have some experience with this because when I covered the Jets for the Daily News, there was a situation where we were trying to figure out if Adam Gase was running a burner oh my account. God, I forgot about um, that. Yeah, and I remember I was put on Adam Gase burner account watch for like a week. <laughs> so I know I know about coaches and burner accounts. I know how to kind of sift my way through this. I feel very confident that that's mm-hmm. not that. Well, I'm happy we had an expert on the Falcons, an expert on football awards, and an expert on NFL coach burner accounts. Charles, that's why you're here. Where can people check out more of the work you do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Verts. I'll never call it whatever that man wants us to call that website. Um, you can find me on Yahoo Sports uh, doing great work with uh, my colleagues, Charles Robinson, Joy Epstein. We just added Nick Tice to the crew um, as a, you know, betting and X and extraordinaire for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find my podcast, the Exemplist on the Yahoo Sports Zero Blitz podcast feed. And I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Yeah. All right. Charles, thank you so much. All right, thanks so much to Charles. And I wanted to talk, as we finish up here, about Brock Purdy. And I believe sort of the conversation we've had about Brock Purdy since he entered the NFL and took over the starting job, or inherited the starting job, I should say, from Jimmy Garoppolo after his injury, from Trey Lance after Trey Lance's injury, was that Kyle Shanahan can make this happen with anybody. That Brock Purdy is the ultimate proof that Kyle Shanahan is just a quarterback-proof coach, and the the players he has around Brock Purdy prove that he's a quarterback-proof coach. And I'm not going to fault that argument. I'm not going to say that Brock Purdy does not get help from the players around him, because of course he does. This is the dream scenario for a quarterback to enter into. Four great playmakers, a Hall of Fame left tackle, a Hall of Fame caliber play caller, the best play caller in football, in my opinion, but also many others' opinions. Of course, Brock Purdy is in a great situation. But we're now getting to the point 
where Brock Purdy is clearly so much better than the other quarterbacks who have been in this offense that we can't pin it all on having Christian McCaffrey or it all on having Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, he's already played the, outplayed the guys who were not Garoppolo. Trey Lance was not as good in this offense. Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, Brian Hoyer, all the other guys Shanahan has had have not been up to Brock Purdy's caliber. And of course, they didn't have McCaffrey, but Josh Johnson had McCaffrey in the NFC Championship game. And I'm not expecting him to be great against the Eagles with no reps with the ones, but not as if Josh Johnson looked like he was an instant superstar in this offense. Brock Purdy is... I believe 11 and 0 in games where his elbow does not explode. And that was not the case with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo won a lot of games. He was not undefeated as a starter when he stayed healthy. And I believe the biggest difference here between Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, and by the way, Garoppolo did have Christian McCaffrey for a chunk of his final season with the Niners and was not producing as well as Purdy has, but Brock Purdy is getting better. It's not as if Brock Purdy had a hot stretch last year and then regressed towards the mean this year or hasn't looked the same this year. He's better. His completion percentage has jumped five points. He's averaging a full yard more per throw. His success rate is up from 50% as a passer per NFL's next-gen stats to 57.1%. He's throwing for first downs more than 48% of the time after being at 39% last year. He hasn't thrown an interception. He's had a couple of drop picks. He's going to throw interceptions eventually. He has lost a fumble. But this is a quarterback who is not just producing good numbers with great players around him. He is now producing great numbers with great players around him. He's leading the NFL in QBR, leading in adjusted yards per attempt. And he's not throwing as much as other quarterbacks. That's because the game is usually over when he gets to the fourth quarter. He hasn't needed to throw because the Niners have been winning games so handily with him at quarterback. So I'm not sure what it's going to take. Maybe he has to win 17 games in a row as a starter between the regular season and the postseason. Maybe he has to beat the Cowboys. If he beats the Cowboys tonight or, or, or later later this week on Sunday Night Football, maybe that will prove, hey, he can do it against anybody in the NFL if he can beat the Cowboys and their dominant offense. But at some point, We can give Kyle Shanahan credit. We can give Christian McCaffrey credit. We can give the playmakers offense. I think we have to recognize that Brock Purdy is not just a guy who fell into a great situation. He is also a really good quarterback. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. Hope you guys enjoyed our our talk with Charles, who's such a fun guest and so smart. Love having Charles on the show. We'll be back next week. More audio coming here on the Bill Barnwell Show.